Welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. It is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. I'm Pat, and this is our AEW Dynamite review. Unfortunately, there was none last week. I was horribly sick from Monday to Friday, basically. Uh, So thankfully, I'm feeling a lot better, and I'm back this week. I've been covering the New Japan Best of the Super Juniors on the podcast, so it's not like I haven't been around. Um... So that started, that's underway. If you're a New Japan fan, check it out. Uh, I have the reviews out for Nights 1 and 2. We have our predictions out for the whole tournament. And after I'm done recording this review of AEW Dynamite, I will be recording uh, Nights 3 and 4, the recap and review show for those. So if you're a New Japan fan, check it out. If you're not a New Japan fan, you can also check it out. You know, if you want to support us or if you just want to hear about what's going on in New Japan, there is, you know, AEW representation with Wheeler Yuta in the tournament. But that's besides the point. If you're new here, please consider subscribing to the podcast. If you're listening on one of the streaming services, you can subscribe to us. Uh, You can also find us over on YouTube. The podcast is there. We are the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast on YouTube. And you can follow us over on Twitter, at Deep Six Wrestling, without the G. And you can keep up to date with our content there. We post when we have a new episode out. And occasionally put other tweets out as well. So please consider doing that. And if you're on YouTube, remember to leave a like on the video and drop a comment to support. Help us get the algorithm on our side so we can continue to grow. Um, Yeah. So before we jump into AEW, uh, I didn't do news on the New Japan show just because I've been trying to keep this short and just self-contained to the actual tournament. Uh, news. There's really only one piece of news that I feel like is worth talking about before we go into Dynamite, and that is what happened on Monday night during Raw, where Sasha Banks and Naomi, the WWE Raw Women's Tag Team Champions, walked out. They handed in their titles and and walked out on the show. They had to change the main event. The company uh, then basically buried these two, having Corey Graves call them unprofessional on commentary, and... In a shocking turn of events, the WWE posted, they put out a press release regarding this, and it reads, When Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE Head of Talent Relations John Laurinaitis' office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his uh, desk, and walked out. They claimed they were, weren't respected enough as tag team champions, and even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret we were unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event. So it's pretty rare that WWE would go out of their way to do this, but they really just came out here and made Sasha and Naomi look horrible. They they put them over as, you know, these two women who are in it for themselves that they don't trust, presumably Nikki Ash, Nikki Cross, and Dewdrop, uh, a.k.a. Piper Niven. Uh, since then, we have the two of them, Naomi and Sasha, have not commented on this publicly, but we have had other wrestlers... Um, tweet out basically support for them uh, with Dax Harwood, CM Punk, um, Big Swole, um, Big Damo, Mia Yim, uh, Joey Janela, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube Son, all coming out in support of, of these uh, Sasha and Naomi. 
So we'll see exactly where this goes. Uh, again, the fact that Sasha and Naomi haven't commented yet, we've only heard one side of the story, but specifically the one that's interesting is uh, Big Damo, who is married to Nikki Cross. And um, somebody tweeted at him about, you know, health and safety. And he said, take it elsewhere. There's no one on God's green earth who thinks that Nikki and Kim, referring to Piper Niven, are unsafe. Uh, and retweeted the WWE statement saying, bloody hell. So it seems to be that he does not believe the uh, <laughs> that Sasha Banks and Naomi uh, thought that anyone was unsafe in the match. So, um yeah, it just seems like this is like that statement feels like that's going to start a lot of drama within the women's division. Um, whether or not it is a true statement that Sasha and Naomi weren't uncom or were uncomfortable or weren't, I guess, remains to be seen. Um, in an update, Dave Meltzer uh, on the Wrestling Observer <coughs> Radio noted that in another time, uh, there's a strong chance that the WWE would have fired. Naomi and Sasha, but that the company doesn't want to provide AEW with the opportunity to sign either talent. Going further to say that there's a ton of tension. If it was another time in another place, it's very possible that they would have been fired, but it's this time in this place. And I remember when the Charlotte Flair thing happened last year with Becky Lynch, and I was talking to people there, and it was kind of like, if it was another time in another place, yeah, they would have fired Charlotte for what she did on live TV, screwing up the angle on purpose. But it's like, you don't want to send her to AEW. No, and essentially nothing happened, and they don't want to send either of them to AEW. Then you've got the whole Naomi being married to Jimmy Uso, and it's just a waiting game to see what happens next. So, uh, yeah, no actual update on this, but um, I guess we'll, we'll find out in the coming days and weeks ahead, months even. Who knows? Uh, will this get patched up? You would assume... You'd hope so, I guess, if you're a Sasha and Naomi fan, but you never know. Um, so, we'll see. Moving on, we'll go into AEW. Uh, AEW Dark from this week, the results for Dark. Uh, Marina Shafir defeated Lena Lennox. Uh, Angelico and Jorah Joel of the AFO got a win over Baron Black and Anthony Katena. Uh, Bear Country took on the Workhorsemen and got a win. Emmy Sakura defeated Devlin Macabre. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Max Caster defeated Tyler Uria. Uh, New Japan's LA Dojo, represented by Alex Coglin, Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks, Yuya Uemura, and Kevin Knight, defeated The Factory. Wheeler Yuta retained his ROH Pure Championship over Josh Woods. Sky Blue defeated Amber Nova. Trent Beretta defeated Ryan Nemeth. And Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee defeated Chaos Project. And that sends us into AEW Dynamite from May 18th, yesterday night. The show opened with Samoa Joe in a quarterfinal matchup versus the Joker. Big ovation for Joe here. Big ovation for his opponent as it came up on the screen. Johnny Elite. I think the pop was originally people assuming that it was Johnny Gargano. Uh, but it was Johnny Elite, the former John Morrison, Johnny Mundo, Johnny Impact, Johnny Game Changer, Johnny Bloodsport, whatever you want to call him. John Morrison was here, and he was the Joker. The crowd did end up giving him a pretty decent reaction, though. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, um, 
Joe got control for the first half of the match. Uh, Johnny Elite eventually hit a nice cartwheel clothesline for a comeback and followed that up with a, a big spiral corkscrew to the floor. We went to picture in picture. Uh, back from commercial, Joe took control and just had a huge pounce on Johnny that he sold with just like literally doing a spiral in midair. Joe goes for the muscle buster. Johnny flips out and gets Joe up for a Death Valley driver for a two count. Uh, we have a 450 splash that doesn't really connect for a near fall. Johnny goes for Starship Pain. Joe gets the knees up and just unloads in the corner with strikes. Nails the muscle buster. Samojo wins. Uh, I did not originally have Samojo winning uh, this match. Not, I mean, I would say I didn't have him. I didn't have him beating the Joker, but I didn't assume the Joker was John Morrison. Uh, as soon as John Morrison came out, I figured Joe was winning this. Um, but nice little surprise. No, nobody really expected this uh, to be the Joker. So cool i guess um and for what it's worth johnny elite is not signed to AEW, um so this doesn't feel like a wasted signing on 40 something year old john morrison after the match uh we have satnam singh jay lethal and sanjay dutt run out for the beat down here on joe satnam holds joe for uh a hit to his shoulder with a lead pipe before the best friends and Rocky Romero make the save and run off the heels to uh, save Samoa Joe. So, uh, there we go. It was a solid opener, I guess. Um, Morrison looked quite sloppy in this. Um, it definitely felt like Joe was doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. Um, so, they just didn't really click all that well. Or I don't even want to say they didn't click that well. It was just um, <laughs> Johnny Elite just didn't look all that elite. But it was, it was a fine match, and it was a nice surprise to start the show. Uh, from this, we went directly into Hangman Page versus Konosuke Takeshita with CM Punk on commentary. And, my God. <laughs> this. If you opened the show with this, this would have been wild. Um, so we had a huge apron urinage from Page, which was followed up by his big moonsault from the corner as we went to the first commercial break. We had a chop battle in the ring with Hangman being sent into the ropes and then dropping Takeshita with a fireman's carry slam. Uh, Takeshita hits a flying lariat off the apron, not off the apron, off the ropes, um, and then followed up with a big blue thunderbomb with the commentary giving some shout-outs to El Generico, which would continue as we got some This Is Awesome chants with Takeshita then going for the Huluva kick. Uh, Page then followed it up with one of his own. Both guys hit a series of big suplexes. Hangman just got dropped right on his head. Uh, and then they collided, both hitting each other with clotheslines. We had a tombstone from uh, Hangman for a two count. Takeshita hit a big powerbomb for a near fall. And then as Page kicked out, he nailed him with a V-trigger. Hangman kicks out of that. The crowd gives these guys both just a standing ovation. Hangman hits a uh or Takeshita hits Hangman with a big stalling German suplex but fails to capitalize as he sells his neck's hurt Takeshita then goes for a jumping knee strike Hangman blocks it Takeshita then goes for his flying lariat once again and Hangman nails him in the head with an uh an elbow strike midair Takeshita then nails Hangman with a diving lariat off the top rope Hangman no sells it and stands up giving him his own clothesline and then hits the buckshot lariat, but refuses to pin him and goes for the go-to-sleep as he stares holes in CM Punk with CM Punk 
Shaw jacking at him on commentary, saying that he's in his head. And Hangman Page picks up the one, uh, the win with the GTS. I thought this was absolutely fucking fantastic. This was a great TV match. Hangman looked amazing coming out of this match, as he typically does in most of his matches. Punk did a great job on commentary, playing up the fact that he's in Page's head and playing mind games. He also put over Takeshita really good as, as a future star and somebody he'd like to face. Hangman and Takeshita had great chemistry. They went to war here. And if you weren't familiar with Takeshita, I feel like now you are. This guy looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I would love to see them run this back eventually, because this was just great from top to bottom. Um, after this, we had a promo from Fuego Del Sol, Evil Uno, and Ten, noting that they're looking for payback against the House of Black. Uh, Fuego says that he's twisted in the head, and uh, they're going to face off on Friday on Rampage. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus the Workhorsemen. Uh, this was not announced on the show. This just kind of got tossed in here. Uh, there were big bask in his glory chance for Keith Lee to start the match with J.G. Drake cutting it off by slapping Keith uh, as Lee would then react to this by taking him down with a dual-handed chop and uh, then tagging Strickland in. Both these guys were just massively over with this crowd. We get the, the Who's House, Swerve's House chant. Um, Anthony Henry tagged in. We had a diving uppercut from Swerve, followed by a monkey roll flatliner. Uh, Lee got tagged in, and as he tagged in, he did his dive, his like diving crossbody over the top rope uh, onto J.D. Drake, and then followed up with a huge pounce to Anthony Henry. And then these two debuted. Just an absolutely glorious finisher here on Dynamite, uh, which I, I believe... Um, Swerve dubbed on his socials as Fallen Our Glory. And it's Keith Lee's spirit bomb with uh, Swerve doing his mushroom stomp off the top rope to, to just spike the guy down. This looks great. And these two would pick up the win. Uh, the match itself probably didn't need to be on TV, but Swerve and Lee got, a, they got to debut this finisher on TV. And we got them announcing post-match that they are now a top five team. So it made sense. Afterwards, Ricky and Hobbs would come out. Ricky calls Keith Lee Rex from Toy Story. And the FTW champion then says that they're being selfish for trying to jump the line in the tag team division. Swerve calls out Ricky's style for looking like a bar of soap. This prompts Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to make their arrival, along with Christian, who cuts the promo for that team, and says that Ricky isn't smart enough to know when to shut up. He also clowns Ricky's attire. Uh, and then puts down the FTW championship as not being a real belt. Christian lays down the challenge for double or nothing, a three-way match for the AEW Tag Team Championship with Jurassic Express or Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus defending against uh, Team Taz and uh, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. On top of that, he says he wants to take it one further, and he wants to have a match next week. Jungle Boy versus Swerve Strickland versus Ricky Starks as a preview for the tag match. Very exciting stuff. Um, I'm excited for this three-way tag match at the pay-per-view. I think that this should be really fun. I think Team Taz should probably win the tag titles. Um, and then they can feud with Keith and Swerve. And then you can have Christian turn on Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy and Christian can splinter off into their feud. There's just a lot of ways you can go here. Um, and the, tri the, the triple threat on TV next week between the, the three singles guys should all be really good as well. Uh, we have a backstage interview with Chris Statlander and Red Velvet, as the latter says that things are different than before. She's going to do it the batty way this Friday when they face off. Chris was not originally supposed to be in the tournament, but she's also changed, and there's nothing personal about their match. Jade then comes in and confronts Chris, so it does seem like 
the bigger story here is going to be Chris versus Jade down the line. Um, but this Friday we hit the battle of the former friends, Chris Statlander and Red Velvet. Yeah, Red Velvet. After this, MJF and Sean Spears make their entrance. MJF, this is some of the biggest heat he has had in God knows when. This crowd just did not want to let him speak. Uh, he set this up and noted that if Wardlow retaliates for his lashing, then the match at the pay-per-view is off. Um, so MJF just gets drowned out by the crowd and Wardlow starts making his entrance with the Goldberg-like entrance. Loud Wardlow chants as one would expect. He gets in the ring, he's handcuffed, and he just takes the whips. He's smiling and flexing his tits. MJF just starts losing it. He has to strip out of his jacket and then lays into Wardlow's back. Uh, just as like rapid hits here and screams that he hates Wardlow just with so much intensity as Sean Spears has to like control him. Uh, Spears then takes off his jacket and he gets the, the belt handed to him and he lays into Wardlow for the eighth hit. Wardlow does not sell it. Uh, as we get to the ninth hit, Wardlow does react before getting into their faces as Wardlow chants fill the arena. MJF then goes for the final hit, but instead of whipping him across the back, he hits him with a low blow, he kicks him in the dick, and then just goes to town with the belt, just beating this man, whipping his back, and then he ends up choking him out with it as he puts the dynamite diamond ring on and nails him in the forehead with it. Sean Spears gets Wardlow up and drops him with the C4 and then pins him as MJF counts three for the visual pin ahead of the steel cage match next week. Um, I thought that they knocked it out of the park. This feud continues to just be wonderful. The crowds are reacting insanely to this. MJF's doing great, Wardlow's doing great, even Sean Spears is doing great. Um, I'm excited to see how this cage match is going to play out, especially with MJF being the referee. And I'm excited to see how the pay-per-view match between Wardlow and MJF comes. Um, so, yeah. After this, this was a confusing bit on this show, because <laughs> earlier in the night we had the best friends and Rocky show up to attack or not attack to make the save for Samoa Joe and then we have Rocky and Trent backstage saying that Rapunky Vice is back together full-time as a tag team and they say that they are going to start with the ROH world tag team titles calling out FTR mentioning that they also want the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles and the AEW tag team as well uh, AEW tag team titles as well and Trent goads FTR by saying that Brett would accept if they offered the challenge. So, uh, very curious that Chuck Taylor was completely absent from this. <laughs> but um, I guess Rapungi Vice are going to be a team, and then maybe Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy, since Cassidy's probably coming off of being injured. Because he's out of his sling. He still hasn't wrestled yet, but um, it does appear that he is on the road to recovery. But this just felt a bit weird that we saw them earlier in the night helping Samoa Joe, and then here it was just Rocky and Trent. But this sent us into our next Owen Hart quarterfinal match here with Kyle O'Reilly versus Ray Phoenix. The winner of this faces Samoa Joe. Phoenix gets a huge ovation here, and he debuts a new singles theme. Um, and, yeah, uh, we had a good series of exchanges to start. Phoenix hits just a very fast dive out of nowhere to the floor to take control. Um, Phoenix goes up top and Kyle catches him into a triangle. We come back from commercial. Phoenix is in control and just does a bunch of Phoenix things like his, uh, his tightrope, like, jump kick off the, uh, top rope. 
Um, Phoenix catches Kyle with a standing Hurricane Rana for a two count. Kyle then sends Phoenix into the air, nails Phoenix with a kick and a series of strikes. Phoenix goes up top, and as he dives off, he gets caught in a butterfly suplex. Kyle follows up with a second one, but can't land the third. Phoenix has a step-up spin kick in the corner and follows that up with a half-and-half half suplex for a two-count. O'Reilly hits a rebound lariat, or he goes for one, misses, uh, and then has to go for another, but it's like a rebound off the bottom rope. Um, I don't even know how you can get down that low, but he did it. The two men go back-to-back back and just take each other down with dual kicks. Kyle drops Phoenix with a massive elbow before being sent out to the apron, and we have Phoenix with a Hurricane Rana off the apron down onto the floor. This popped Tony Schiavone big time on commentary. Phoenix then gets back in the ring and goes for his rolling cutter, but Kyle catches him in an armbar, and Phoenix taps out, which means Kyle O'Reilly is headed to the semifinals to face off against the ROH TV champion, Samoa Joe. Uh, I thought this was a much better singles match for Kyle uh, than his qualifier with Jungle Boy. I thought Phoenix and Kyle clicked on every level, and they just had so many great counters and transitions for each other's moves. Um, it is worth noting that, you know, Phoenix and Penta both have their own singles themes now. Um, so I am wondering if this is, like, a break for the Lucha Brothers as a tag team, and they're both going to be doing singles action and then doing trio stuff with Pac as Death Triangle. But, like... I wouldn't be upset with having Phoenix and Penta be, like, singles guys and then, you know, and Pac as well as a singles guy, but then they also come together as a trio. Um, so we'll see. But I thought this was another great match here. Um, and I am excited for Kyle versus Joe. Yeah, I do. That is a... Out of... Between, between this and uh, what our main event was, this is definitely the more unpredictable semifinal match. Um, especially now that we do know who is in the finals um, against the winner of Joe and Kyle, which we'll get to. Uh, we have Chris Jericho and William Regal's face-to-face here. This was long. Um, Moxley, Santana, Ortiz, and Eddie make their entrance to Wild Thing through the crowd, which is pretty cool. Jericho Appreciation Society make their entrance. Angelo comes out and demands that the song and pyro gets cut off. Jericho complains that the fans cheered them all getting beat up last week, so he says that they don't deserve this, um, the, the song this week. The crowd does sing along a bit, but Jericho tells them to shut up. Jericho says that it's good to see Regal because, frankly, he thought he'd be dead by now, saying that he's shocked his brain even works, noting that Regal is the definition of wasted potential and says that he should have been a world champion, but instead he ended up being nothing more than a world-class addict. Regal was fired from everywhere he worked from before getting hired by AEW uh, by riding the coattails of his protégés, which is a pretty good line. Jericho then runs down Santana and Ortiz for being ungrateful to him, Eddie Kingston for letting down his family and his girl, Danielson for being a squeaky clean nerd for not doing any drugs or drinks and says that if he keeps hanging out with Regal and Moxley, he's going to end up entering the same program that Moxley did. It was a bit of a rough line, but, you know. Uh, Regal says that since 1997, he's had to listen to Jericho's vile and annoying voice, and the only thing that could make him more disgusted would be the screams from a burning orphanage. Uh, something that kept him going during his time uh, working with Jericho was going to the locker room, taking Jericho's toothbrush and shoving it up his bottom. Daniel Garcia strips the mic away from Jericho and shouts that that is disgusting. And William Regal calls Daniel Garcia a flower and says that he did the same thing to Garcia's toothbrush last week. Jericho suggests that they do what the inner circle made famous 
at Double or Nothing. And he proposes the third ever stadium stampede, but John Moxley gets on the mic and cuts him off and says it was a different time and that they deserve to kick their asses live and in living color. Jericho agrees that they can have anarchy, uh, but brings up everyone's past in, in the this makeshift group of proud and powerful Eddie Kingston and the BCC. Um, and Eddie cuts him off and says that they should fight now instead of being bitches. Jericho says to forget it before leading the JAS away. Eddie goes to chase him down, but Danielson blocks him, and then Eddie and Danielson get into a bit of a brawl and have to be kept apart. Um... All right, I thought this segment had a lot of good. I thought it went on a bit too long. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. But we did get some good back and forth here between Jericho and Regal. Um, there were some good lines. There were some questionable lines. Uh, but for the most part, it was good. It was just, again, a bit too long. So, um, yeah. And we would follow this up uh, a bit later with another extended talking segment that also dragged a little bit too so you know um i will say i am excited for this match it, it wasn't clear what exactly this is if it's going it it doesn't seem that it's going to be blood and guts um so maybe they're going to save that for down the line as like a rematch um they also didn't specify like they implied anarchy but like that makes it seem like it's an odq match so i i guess we'll see uh this match was not made official so I guess we're waiting until Dynamite or Rampage or Dynamite next week. After this, uh, Matt Seidel and Dante Martin challenged the uh, Blackpool Combat Club to fight on Rampage. Uh, this serves as a reminder that Darius Martin is injured once again from a car accident and will be out for several months. So kind of just makes sense that they put Seidel and Dante back together. Uh, sucks, but, you know, it's better than not having Dante Martin do anything. Uh, we go to a Owen Hart quarterfinal matchup for the women's division. This is Britt Baker's match, and it's her versus the Joker. I think people seeing Johnny Elite in the opening match made a lot of people, including myself, assume that we were going to get Taya here, Taya Valkyrie. It was not the case. Uh, we got Mikey Ito making her return. Um, Britt and Maki, a hug to start, obviously playing off of their past. We even got a video here showing Revolution 2021 when uh, Ito made her AEW debut. Um, there's a failed pin attempt here immediately, which causes Maki Ito to just weep. Uh, she then stomps on Britt's foot and then dances as she just forces her to stay in place. Uh, Ito goes for the Kokeshi, but fails. Uh, we had a decent size. Let's go Maki. Let's, uh, let's go Maki. And then DMT chance here to go into commercial break as Britt takes control. A suplex from Britt gets a two count as we come back from commercial with Maki hitting her own. Baker lights up in the corner with a series of elbows before taking the glove out. Maki then goes crazy here after having her head slammed into the turnbuckle, just screaming, and then she fires up and just starts slamming her own head into the turnbuckle. A big tornado DDT from Maki Ito. She goes for the Kokeshi, but Baker rolls, and then her counter to this is that she spins through and then ends up falling down and landing it. She hits the Kokeshi. Uh, eventually, Britt does get the lockjaw in place, and she flips off Maki Ito and taps her out. Um, I thought this was honestly a little fun match. It wasn't anything too spectacular or groundbreaking, but Maki Ito's very fun. Britt's solid enough. I think she gets a lot more hate than she probably deserves, but this was a fun little match, um, and I, I enjoyed their interactions together. 
Post-match, Tony Storm made her way out onto the stage and stared down Britt Baker. Britt mocks her in the ring doing the, the metal horns and then saying, suck it. Uh, they have a little face-off ahead of the semifinals next week. So we are getting Britt Baker versus Tony Storm in a semifinals match that I think is a big test for these girls. Um, Tony has looked really good in all of her matches since coming into AEW, I will say that. Um, but Britt, you know, she is a bit hit or miss. Sometimes she's on, sometimes she's not. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these two clash. They've been building to this for a bit, so uh, hopefully they get, you know, like 10, 15 minutes and actually work well together, but we'll see. Um, and then we have our next extended talking segment here is Tony Schiavone's in the ring. He's talking about next week celebrating AEW's three-year anniversary with them debuting in Vegas in 2019 for Double or Nothing. Serena Deeb then comes out and cuts him off, and she gets into the ring and steps up to Tony for saying uh, that Rosa will beat her. There's loud Thunder Rosa chants. Deeb says that he made himself look like a complete idiot. She calls out Dustin Rhodes as well, and Dustin comes out here for a nice little reaction. She says that, of course, the Texas crowd would cheer Dustin because they already cheer their failure sports teams, and Dustin is the poster child for failures. She says that she respected Dustin, but he chose his teacher's pet, Thunder Rosa, instead of her, despite knowing Deeb's struggles through her career. She put breast implants in her body to satisfy old perverts and shaved her head to show how serious she was about this business. And she says Dustin doesn't have the balls to say why he didn't choose her. This prompts Rosa to come out, and Dustin tries to prevent a fight between the two, but gets caught in the crossfire with Thunder Rosa hitting him with an elbow. Deeb then gets the women's title and nails a belt shot on Rosa as she walks off with the title. So this segment seemed to draw a lot of different opinions of people saying it was awful, people saying that Serena Deeb can't talk. I came out of this, like, I, like, I don't think it was the best delivery, but I thought her promo, like, the content of her promo, and, you know, I thought it was decent enough. I thought that what really hurt this was the crowd kind of turning on this and just burying it with what chance. But that's not Deeb's fault. She was just going out here and cutting a promo. Um, I will say this this feud hasn't been the best. I thought last week they did a nice job of elevating it by having those sit-down interviews with um, Dustin, Jim Ross, and Tony Schiavone, uh, breaking down the match and who they think is going to win. And I thought this was a good idea in theory. I thought Deeb came out here with a sense of urgency. I thought she made this feel more important. Um, I like that we got Dustin involved in this since he is a big factor in the women's division backstage. Um, so I'm glad that they acknowledged that. And I thought that, like, personally, I thought she did decent enough here. I did not hate this as much as it seems a lot of other people did. Um, I'm excited for the match. Again, I don't think... So while I enjoyed th this segment enough, I don't think this feud has been very good. So don't just think I'm being an AEW homer here and just being like, oh, everything's great. Um, but I am excited for the match just because uh, Thunder Rosa is probably one of my favorite wrestlers right now. And Serena Deeb always delivers. Her matches with Sheeta have been great. Her matches with Rosa have been great. Um, her matches with Rio were great. So I'm excited for this. Um, I just wish the feud was done a bit better. But, it, you know, it is what it is. They still have another week, I guess, if they want to try again. This is to our main event, and I have one, two, uh, three notes on the in-ring action of this match. I was struggling to keep up at this point. The last um, last portion of the show, there was just so much happening. From 
how long the the Jericho and Regal promo battle went to Britain Maki to then Serena Deep coming out and cutting this lengthy promo and then right into this match which was our semi-final matchup for the Owen Hart tournament with Adam Cole versus Jeff Hardy uh, before the bell, Cole attacks Jeff from behind as we kick off the match. I have that Cole is in control heading into commercial break. And then my last note for the match is that Adam Cole lowers the boom and wins. And he punches his ticket to double or nothing. So, and that's where I was at with this match. I don't really have thoughts on it because I, I was barely watching. But Adam Cole won. I think everybody knew this going into it. And bigger story here is that the, the winner uh, of Samoa Joe and Kyle O'Reilly faces Adam Cole. So... You'll either have Cole facing Joe in the finals, or you'll have Cole facing off against, you know, one of his partners and friends, Kyle O'Reilly. So we'll see. I don't actually know who I would choose to win this one um, between Joe and Kyle. I think both matches are pretty big for a pay-per-view, so we'll see. Uh, Post-match, the Young Bucks hit the ring with Cole, um, then laying out the Hardy Boys from behind. The Bucks then lay into the Hardys. We have a BTE trigger uh, onto Matt. Um, Darby Allen and Sting make the save for the babyfaces. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly hit Chasing the Dragon onto Darby on the stage. Sting takes out Red Dragon before facing off with Cole. Kyle nails Sting in the back with a chair who no-sells it before sending the chair into Kyle's face. Uh, the Bucks knock out Sting, um, with uh, a super kick, I believe. And then, uh, they put a, a, the chair around Sting's ankle and Kyle jumps down on top of it to injure Sting. And Tony Schiavone says, we're out of time. And the show fades to black with the Undisputed Elite still beating them down. So a very chaotic ending to the show. Uh, I will say reminiscent of like early Dynamite where there was always just craziness happening at the end of the episodes. Um, So yeah, there's some really good wrestling on this show for what it's worth. I thought um, Hangman Page versus Takeshita was fantastic. I thought Phoenix and Kyle did great. I enjoyed Keith Lee and Swerve's new finisher. I thought Maki Ito and Britt Baker over-delivered. I thought Wardlow's segment with MJF was really good. Um, I thought the two big promo segments were anywhere from decent to good, but both felt a little too long. Um, And then, yeah, we had the debut of Johnny Elite and uh, uh, Owen Hart semifinal match that I don't remember. So, um, yeah, that was AEW Dynamite. We head into AEW Rampage this week, and we have Sean Spears versus a quote-unquote giant, uh, Chris Statlander versus Red Velvet in uh, the last quarterfinal match for the Owen Hart tournament for the women. Uh, The House of Black versus Fuego Del Sol in the Dark Order, and Moxley and Danielson versus uh, Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. And then the only thing we have announced for Dynamite next week, I guess, is the the steel cage match and then the semifinal matches, I guess, for the the Owen tournament. So, yeah, um, it's kind of shocking. Normally we have a bunch of stuff announced for Dynamite, um, but we don't. So, I guess you're gonna have to tune into Rampage this week, which does have another early start time. I believe it's 7 p.m. this week, Eastern time. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, that was AEW Dynamite, so thank you for joining me here on the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to, whether it's on the podcast feeds on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Overcast, Google, wherever you're listening. Or if you're listening on YouTube, leave a like, leave a comment, subscribe. Helps us with the algorithm, helps us grow our audience. 
follow us over on twitter at deep six wrestling without the g then come back here or if you're already here you know go listen to another episode you can check out our best of the super juniors coverage you can go check out a review for impact wrestling ryan and angelo i think will both be back together this week for the impact wrestling power hour now that angelo is back from his cruise uh impact is on the road to slammiversary so uh, lots of stuff going on, so be sure to subscribe, come back for more, tell us what you like over on Twitter, tell us what you like in the comments, it helps us, and yeah. So thank you for listening, I appreciate it, and I will talk to you guys in the next episode.